Hey everyone, this is your host Josh Baker with the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these type of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Jeff Lee. Jeff has served multiple positions in public office specializing in public policy. He has ran multiple hundred mile ultra marathons, which I think is crazy, and been to 85 countries and has attended games at every major league baseball stadium. Jeff is also very involved in his community and is an activist for the anti-Asian hate movement. So Jeff, thank you for coming on. I look forward to listening to what you have to say and learning from you as well. And I think the audience can speak the same as for them as well. But I want to I want to get right into this, ask you a question right off the bat. What kind of got you into public policy? I, I'm not too sure what that is. I mean, I'm at that yeah. age where everyone's making decisions. What what's that like? What is it that you guys do? Well, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that. And it's so great to be here. I'm so excited about our conversation with uh, with our audience today. Um, what is public policy? That is the first thing my Asian mother asked me. She was like, what is this? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, my parents were both people from Vietnam. They escaped the war. They were in refugee camps in mm-hmm. Thailand and the Philippines. They landed in the United States with nothing. And I don't think they imagined that their son would work in public service, broadly speaking, you know, I think they were kind of picturing, Hey, how about doctor? How about engineer? How about lawyer? How about small business owner? How about anything that we can explain to our friends in 10 seconds? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It didn't work out that way. And I got to tell you, actually, when I was 10 years old, all I wanted to do is be an astronaut. That's all I wanted to be. Josh. That's so Um, cool. It was so cool. But here's the thing. Being an astronaut's hard. And number two, you got to be pretty darn smart to be an astronaut. And I would say very specifically brilliant. Like you have to have amazing quantitative mathematics, physics scores. And I just, I just could not meet that level of rigor. And what I realized more as the reason why I wanted to be an astronaut was I wanted to explore things. And you highlighted some things that I've done in my past. And that's the theme of my life is trying to explore what's possible, what's new and what's achievable in a way that uh, maybe we haven't thought about before. And uh, what I realized was I was less interested in space, but I was more interested in learning about new things about people and places. That's what I was after. So when I was in college, uh, after I realized I'd never be an astronaut, also because I have terrible vision and flat feet, which doesn't help. Um, I, um, on a late night, Denny's, Denny's run. So going to a late night diner, mm-hmm. decided with some friends, that I was going to change my major and went into international relations and, I needed to go study abroad because if you do international stuff, you need to go overseas. Yeah. And which was terrifying because Josh, I'm from Southern California. And, uh, you know, where, you know, the thing you're most scared of is like when it rains 10 times a year. Uh, I mean, heaven forbid (laughs) snow or sleet or fog or whatever. And um, I remember I uh, studied in England for a year. And when I got there, um, I made these friends from about 50 countries around the world. It's incredible. And September was beautiful in Northern England. And when October 1 came, it was snowing. And oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is great. I brought my jacket. And my German friends were like, Jeff, that is not a jacket. <laughs> That's <laughs> a... You know, we're in California. Yeah. It's a light jumper, right? <laughs> exactly. And so I remember for the first time getting my first like winter fall jacket was overseas. So I had a little bit of naivete, if I had to be honest with you, Josh. And I think when you talk to people who go into public policy, basically that's sort of the goal of trying to advance things to help people. That's what I think of 
whether that's in government or in community engagement or uh, being able to connect communities together, that's what that is, right? So it's that it's that opportunity to bring people together to try to move something that's bigger than that. That's what I think of. And like anything, you fall into it, right? Exactly. And that's what happened to me. Um, and, you know, it has a way of taking over, right? Like once I decided to do international stuff, um, you know, I found myself thinking, well, what am I gonna do with international stuff? And I was like, well, this whole diplomat thing is pretty cool. So I ended up working at, you know, American embassies overseas, which was cool. Oh, that's and so you got cool. to, yeah, you got to see how the United States like does, um, you know, relationship building around the world, which is neat. Uh, I realized more and more that I wanted to be closer to everyday people. And that's why I went to more into international development work, you know, like trying to build economic corridors and opportunities. Um, but I had also worked at the United Nations and some other, you know, institutions that you've heard of um, that are trying to resolve big issues. And I just, I just, the more I resonated to see exploring things, I learned two things the more I explored. One, the farther you go, the more you appreciate home. Mm. And I think every every time I traveled, I sort of have a new appreciation for America, you know, the greatest yeah. country in the history of Earth, right? And then the second thing I realized, Josh, is that people, the people who have the least always give the most. And that's just something that wherever I went, whether that was in Southeast Asia or Sub-Saharan Africa or Latin America, the kindest people were the people who had almost nothing to give. Mm-hmm. And they were the first people to offer everything they could, yeah. even though they had very little to provide. <laughs> and I just, I, I just try to take, take that perspective, you know, it's like, gosh, you know, we're privileged, Josh, we live in, you know, the most affluent, wealthy, achieved nation in the history of earth, right? In yeah. all of human history. And there's so much potential here. And there's so much more we could be doing for others and other communities. And obviously, as a leader in the free world, we have a moral responsibility. Um, and so I think about these things in, in the work I do, whether that's been in government or in technology now. Um, or even when I do, you know, ultra marathon running or even in um, advocating for, you know, against Asian hate, which, um, you know, I don't know if your audience has seen, but, you know, there's been a significant increase in anti-Asian sentiment and violence, uh, <laughs> you know, especially during COVID-19. I mean, uh, the FBI has reported it's been the highest year of hate, hate for hate crimes yeah. in 12 years, um, you know, even in diverse states, you know, you have hate crime against Asians up a hundred percent. It's kind of crazy. I mean, you'll hear stories in New York where Asian women particularly have been beaten up and it's been caught on video. And it's also been recently the one year anniversary of um, an assailant who murdered uh, women of Asian descent in Atlanta. And that really, I mean, that was a year ago. So just thinking about how quickly yeah. time goes during the pandemic, right? Um, it's, it's hard. Um, because the thing is, the truth is, Josh, this stuff's not new. This no. is actually old news. It's just that people, because of social media and because of the way we communicate, it's so <laughs> visceral that the New York Times a week ago can report about a man who hits an Asian woman 125 times in the head. Yeah. He's Asian. I mean, that's, it's almost obscene. Yeah, that's it's it's not pleasant to hear stuff like that. And I, I mean, especially with social media, I think a lot of times we see these horrible things online. And next thing you know, like, oh, that's horrible. Like, let's hit that like button. Oh, my thoughts and prayers, whatever's swipe yeah. next one. Right. And I think yeah, we're, on. we're, we're all like, we just move on with our lives. And I think, sure. I mean, we, I think we've all recognized that yes, there's bad things that happen. Right. And like you said, we, we live in actually a pretty good place. We live in a place where, I mean, yes, bad things happen here. Like, I think we're no stranger to that. I mean, if you go across the world, you don't have to fear for your life. Like there's some countries that are just 
war-torn countries. And I, I mean, I don't want to like, I, I try to remain impartial on this podcast. I don't like to take one side or the mm. other, but uh, especially with the things going on in Ukraine, like, I mean, it's a war, like there's war happening there. And for us, it's just, even during World War II, like the only time that we were attacked was Pearl Harbor, like on our own soil was Pearl Harbor. And then after that, we were usually defending other military islands or uh, we we were going on the offensive. It was never, we've been attacked on our homelands. We've never really experienced hardships, I think, is the well, real- Well, I'm glad you highlighted World War II because it was also during World War II, right? Where Japanese Americans were mm-hmm. being interned. Yeah. Um, right? They were taken from their businesses and, and places of commerce and their livelihoods and imprisoned just because they were of Japanese descent. We weren't interning- German or Italian Americans during that time. Or, mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, that was 70 years ago. Wasn't that long ago, if you think about it, right? 1945, yeah. not that long ago, especially when you think of the context with, with the Russian yeah. invasion in Ukraine, right? It's kind of surreal to think that you're on the doorsteps of a potential third world war. It's very possible. But also it's a great reminder about why um, we need to be doing more as a citizenry to understand our role in the world. That um, the reason why our country is what it is, is because it's built on the sacrifices and courage of others. And so yeah. you and I have a responsibility as, as Americans um, to take on that mantle. Yeah. And that in the event that bad things happen in the world, that the United States is going to have to play an important role, which means it's public, it's people, it's citizens, it's community need to play that active role. And as you've seen, when the United States doesn't play that role, uh, someone else does. Yep. So my view is always, would you rather have us do it or someone else? And generally people feel comfortable if it's us, even if it's not perfect, far from. Yes. And listen, um, you know, it's sort of that Spider-Man comment, right? Great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Very much that way. Um, and, you know, I think about, you know, you think about decisions you make in your life, you know, you're in a position of influence. You, you're able to convene conversations here. Like, you have a responsibility to educate, inform, have discussions and dialogue. And as we need more of that, not less. Exactly. I, I, I like that you touch on that. That's something. And thank you. Thank you, one, for the kind words there. That was really kind of you to say there. I, that's something I actually, with, I, when I started the show, was my intention. I was like, I think it, something I've noticed is usually when conflict arises, the best way to solve that problem is just to sit down and have a conversation with someone. Even though it's so uncomfortable sometimes, having that conversation is really just something that we need more as a society. Like taking the time to have that conversation, I think is one of the most important things that we could do. But uh, ultimately, I, I want to ask you this. Uh, something, I mean, we've come up with a lot of things. The US, we've, we're, not, we're no stranger to racism. We've, we've done that. Sure. But I, I like to I think that's, uh, it's a social issue, I would say. And you having experience in public policy, what what would be your, I mean, this is a big question, but what would you say is your cure for all? What would you uh, do for that? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, how do you get world peace? Um, yeah, exactly. Like what would yeah, be? No, for, well, it's, first off, I mean, it's, it's, you're right. It is a big question. I, I actually look at it as, is not a, not, not just a social issue. Um, okay. It is an economic issue. It's a justice issue. Uh, it's a public health issue at this point. Uh, I would put that in there too. So, uh, you know, our society is all encompassing, right? Um, 325 million people in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Asian American communities, you know, there are just for perspective, Josh, there are Asian American communities that have been here since the mid 19th century. Mm-hmm. So you have Asians that have been here longer than 
German Americans, Polish Americans, exactly, Eastern Europeans, Western Europeans, right? But nobody is like, hey, you're not from here. Yeah. Right. So I just think about that. Right. I mean, some of these waves of immigration came well after Asian Americans arrived here. So it's sort of this interesting, there's this challenge where you're sort of permanently not from the sort of forever foreigner thinking. Yeah. Um, so I, there are a couple things, right? So first, I think uh, basic understanding of history. So like what we just talked about here, so few people understand or have experienced Asian American history, learn about the history. There's a huge movement right now in the U.S. on Asian American curriculum uh, at the K, like at the high school level. So the states can pass laws that would require learning about Asian American history. Yeah. Um, recently, the states of Illinois, New Jersey just passed laws. And now Florida uh, has recently had a conversation. So not exactly the most progressive place in the world. Exactly. And they're, they're the, and there's bipartisan support for that. So I, I tell people before you can understand a community, or at least think you can, just learn all the history. The problem is Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, you know, it's 50 nationalities, 100 yeah. languages at least. So understanding that it's not one size fits all, right? So, and then and also like think about the different waves of history. Right? If you're Chinese American, Japanese American from the 19th century, that's one thing. My parents are Vietnamese Americans from, <clears throat> you know, 1975, right? It's wow. a very different history and lineage, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there's everything in the middle. And yes. there's recent, and there's recent immigrants who've come here from Afghanistan, right? After yes, the conflict, all that. right? So, you know, which by the way, that, that was not that long ago where we're talking about more Afghan refugees coming, right? And so whenever there is a global conflict, you have to have a conversation about new communities coming here to start a new life and the sort of the permutation of the American dream, right? And I want to say this before I sort of dive into some of these like key things that everybody can do and just, just sort of highlight this really important point that, you know, when my parents came here, they came here for the American dream, right? But the American dream is not their dream. The American dream is the dream that allows their children, so me or other children, exactly, to do anything they want to do. But that implies that they don't get to dream. And that's probably true. So my parents came here, they started a gardening company, and then they became chicken farmers in Georgia, right? Um, third grade education, salt of the earth people. They worked 18-hour days their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I get to dream. And I get to have these things, and I get to talk to you right now. Right. So just understanding that like the immigrant experience, like whether you're Vietnamese American or Chinese American or from Laos or from Botswana or Argentina, there's a lag on the generation. And that whoever comes here first is the one who's going to have to do a ton of hard stuff and not get very much back directly, directly. Um, So that's what I would just say. So first is learn the history. And one thing I would recommend and I recommend to the audience here, I tell everybody, whether that's organizations, companies, community members, individuals. Um, PBS has a great documentary on Asian American history called Asian American. We can put it in the show notes, but it's extensive and long. Two reasons for this. One, um, very few people have actually watched anything on Asian American history. Two, a lot of Asian Americans have also not learned much about Asian American history. And that's really important. So it is not just like a white people thing. You should learn this. This is Mm -hmm. a... Everybody like everybody needs to take the time to everybody. Yeah, everyone needs to because you got to get to a baseline, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, someone that looks like me might, might always be foreign, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, just a few weeks ago, somebody somebody asked me if I had chopsticks on me, right? Just like randomly and during the day, like I'm in a suit and tie, and they're asking me, "Hey, do you got chopsticks?" And I'm like, "Actually, no, I don't have any chopsticks. Do you have chopsticks?" <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'm used to that kind of thing. But the other thing I highlight. Yeah, uh, you know, so one thing is understanding history and about the dream. The second thing is understanding that um, there's a, a gender component, right? So if you're 
it's one thing for me to be a, an Asian American guy. Yeah. I've had not so good things happen. I've been spit on in public spaces, not doing anything. I've had harassment. I've had not so good things happen my way. Asian American women have it way worse than that. So there's sort of an intersectional mm-hmm. component where Asian women have disproportionately had way more degrees of violence against them, harassment, discrimination, probably, you know, in self-reported counts from the advocacy group Stop API Hate, probably in the form of almost three to one. Yeah. That's self-reported. So that really means the magic number is much bigger. The magic number is much higher because of cultural reasons or just like English language proficiency or just shame, right? Um, Asian Americans are the least likely group to report stuff. So just understanding that Asian women have it way worse and that um, there do need to be more sort of deeper policies in place focused on sort of the women component of that. Um, that's important. Um, so understanding that women have it worse Understanding the history, understanding what the dream means to new Americans. That's important. Actually, most Asians have probably never been asked like the family story. It's just uh, hasn't, it hasn't been done. So like, listen, right. Um, if you want to be a good, if you want to be a good advocate for the community. So the I talked to you about getting spit on. So the beginning of the pandemic, so two years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was walking through an airport. And I got spit on by a stranger. She told me to go back to where I came from. I don't think she met California. Yeah. And um, well, I looked around when that happened and there were about a dozen people and all of them pretended never happened. Not a single person did anything. So there's sort of this bystander issue, right? So one thing I tell everybody is to go through a bystander training so that if something like that happens, you know what to do. Yeah. Because you know the sort of story, if it happens to me, it's eventually gonna happen to you. So it's in your interest to do something, right? Um, but you know, Asian Americans Advancing Justice has a great uh, training we can put in the show notes. but. Uh, that's something I sort of tell people, right? Um, last thing related to this particular discussion um, on sort of community support. Um, you know, there are a number of organizations right now that are doing a ton in advocating for Asian Americans. Probably the two most notable, I'll just flag here. I mean, Stop Stop API Hate, um, you know, the big group that is mm-hmm. advocating for sort of awareness on these issues. The other is Asian American Foundation, uh, which is sort of the largest philanthropic effort that is working with different civic organizations to educate people. I think that's great. And then what you can do sort of on an everyday level, uh, you know, in terms of commerce, I mean, go to, go, go support an Asian business or restaurant. Like that's not hard to do, you know, during this time when businesses shuttered, right. Do you remember, you might remember they all came back eventually and they were given grants or loans, right? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of these Asian businesses had to use their loan money because of vandalism. So their, their, their restaurant or whatever was more likely to get vandalized during that time. So then they had to use it to fix it rather than actually support their business. Yeah. So that's a way we can help uh, as well. So those are a few things I'd recommend to the audience listening here specifically on Asian American Pacific Islander issues, what you can do to, uh, to support that change and advocate. Because again, this is not issues that are, these are not new issues, right? This goes back, it goes back since, you know, 1850s. So these are not new and, and these things don't just go away. I mean, like I said, I mean, um, every day, pretty much in, you know, national media, you will hear a story and see a video of an Asian woman getting beat up by a stranger. That's yeah. Again, it's, it's something you don't want to see. It's, it, it, it hurts. I think th- this is something I like to believe in myself. I think that uh, 90% of people there, well, even I'm, I'm so far wanting to push it. 99% of people they're they're good people, right? They, they want to try their best. They want to do what they think is right. And I think sometimes we get stuck in that self-righteousness, right? And then we don't realize that we're hurting other people sometimes. And I think that that in itself, like we just, maybe we need to be a little bit 
nicer to each other. And like, maybe like you said, understand the history and say uh, a famous Dale. I don't know if you're familiar with Dale Carnegie, uh, something he mentions. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you were placed in that person's shoes for just, you know, for the duration of, to that point where you're looking at them saying, well, why are they doing this or why or whatever? Right. You would almost say, Hey, like, I was in their position, I'd probably be making the same choice as well. Right. Like sometimes I think we need to take that time to understand the history and say, Hey, like, this is why this person's doing it. And again, you, you mentioned that up in, you have to be able to stand up, have that justice and say, Hey, you know, some things, cause if we just, you know, let things happen to us, eventually there's people out there that will take advantage of you and you have to stand up for yourself and have justice. So that's something I think a lot of people, uh, and thank you for touching on that. I think a lot of people could use that, but I, I want to, I want to get some of your thoughts on this. Uh, what, what is, uh, I, I mean, you mentioned getting like spit on an airport, which I think is, I think that's horrible. I, you should, there's no reason why anyone should do that to any human being, but I mean, especially with the reasons you gave, that's awful. What, what was your initial reaction to that? What, what was that kind of like? <laughs> well, being spit on. Yeah. Um, well, so I will say this, um, getting spit on first off, it's happened to me before. So I've experienced dealing and actually when something like that happens, I've had so much experience with it, just like many others in my broader community. What I do is I tell a joke because I find it's the best way to diffuse the issue because otherwise someone might get killed. So, uh, one, so when I got spit on the first thing I said was, well, gosh, if I knew it was going to rain, I would have brought an umbrella and it's the only way to kind of get out of that situation. Here's the thing, Josh, what's worse, being spit on or watching a dozen people pretend it didn't happen? Uh, the dozen people probably ought to be, I mean, at least like stand up for the guy and say, hey, man, that, yeah. that wasn't cool. Here's but- the thing. Here's the thing. If this, you brought up a good point about believing in the best of people. If those dozen people were a dozen different people, would it have been the same thing? Maybe, maybe not. It depends, right? <laughs> I bet yes. And if it were a dozen people, but one of them were you, would you have done something? And I want to say yes. Well, I don't know. And that's, that's why we need to have these conversations. Exactly. Because, because, you know, it's partly the shock, but yeah. the shock is not the shock. The shock is that it happens all the time mm-hmm. and that there are people that live a life like that where it's totally normal. And it's, I, that I have a standard operating procedure, right? That when this happens, I am on a WhatsApp group or a Facebook messenger group with friends talking about, you know, when their grandma or auntie gets harassed. Hey, what kind of pepper spray should we get? And everybody, everybody, it's like a 50 person chain saying, oh, I use this pepper spray. The handle's not as good, but the spray radius is much better. What do you think about this one? Oh, I don't know. Actually, I kind of like the weight on this one. You should look at this or, hey, actually, this one has a siren that you can attach to it. What do you think? Well, I like that, but actually I like the one where you can attach a knife to it. That's actually way better. Oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense. What's the chain radius? Oh, good question. Everybody here is completely fluent on the specs for pepper spray and weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want you to think about that. Like these are 50 people from like completely different lives. And they're like, oh yeah, this happened to all of us. Like, this is what I'd recommend. I mean, that's, I mean, just think about that. You know, when you walk anywhere, you're probably not thinking I should bring some pepper spray. You know, it's, this is the, the point that we sort of talk about is like, you know, what you talked about with Carnegie, like, yeah, you, you should understand where someone is in their, in their moccasins too, but also understanding that you are in a per, you are in a position uh, where you can make a difference uh, that you can stand up for other people, even if it's hard, actually it's always hard because the harder it is probably the more meaningful it is and hard things, doing hard things sucks. I think that's just the honest truth. 
There's way more we could be doing in that space. Uh, there are groups of people that want to pretend it doesn't happen. There are people I talk to who just say, oh, it's just bad luck, you know? And it's it's hard. It's hard to hear that because these are people you respect or peers yeah. of yours or friends or, you know, people you invested time and energy in and they're just, they're willing to completely um, disregard your, number one, your feelings, which is always sad, but number two, completely disregard your value in the world. That's yeah. probably worse, right? Implicitly, they don't, they don't mean to, but that's what it, it implies, right? That your experience is just a, it's just an inconvenience. The cost of doing business to live here, to exist here, to be here, to be something. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like the, I, I like what you've been saying here. I, I, again, I, I'm sometimes I'm lost for words because it's just, I mean, again, like you said, I don't have to worry about that at times. It's just like I just go about my life, and I, I like to think that I would stand up, but I think a lot of people, when it really comes, it's, it's hard to put yourself in a position where you know, cause there's 11 other bystanders, right. Looking at you, if you do stand up and you're, you're like, well, what are they thinking about me? What should I have gotten involved? Should I like, yeah. and all of a sudden, again, like you said, I, I like that you mentioned that, Hey, uh, if it's harder to do, then maybe, maybe it's more meaningful, more valuable to society if you do stand up. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, I, I want to kind of touch on this. This is kind of came to my mind. You said you use jokes to diffuse the situation. So I, I want to ask, I want to ask you this, uh, what would you say is the best way to diffuse, like what, what would be some of your strategies for people if, regardless yeah. of race? What would be mm-hmm. the best strategies to help diffuse yeah. situations like that? Yeah. I, I think of three things, right? The first is distract. You distract the person. You're like, Hey, look, there's a shiny thing over here. Might actually help diffuse the situation. Um, two, um, you tell, you, you try to diffuse it with humor. You try to tell a joke or you try to reduce the tension. Mm-hmm. And the third is you call Uh-oh. them out. They have to do, you have to sort of assess what other situations, what kind of numbers do you have? How hostile is a person? Does a person have a weapon? Um, you know, is this a public space? Are there law, is there authorities nearby, right? Can someone make a quick phone call? I mean, you have to sort of wait in the moment. You could also have the person run, right? There's things you can do, but it, everyone's different in their approach. I would say, I would say, you know, my three tend to be, you know, tend to be effective, distract, deflect, um, you know, and then, you know, utilize resources near you or make a stand. Um, but again, if you're making a stand, it, it could be a violent outcome. And that's probably not, not a good situation. Obviously you don't want anyone to get hurt, including the ignorant person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. I mean, this happened to me maybe four or five months ago. I was, walking back from a meeting and two drunk guys went up to me and asked me if they could rub my belly for good luck because I was like Buddha. And I was like, well, I'm, you know, I gotta tell you guys, like, you know, it's not like a genie. I don't like make wishes here. Um, (laughs) And they had a good laugh, but here's the thing. When that was happening, two police officers are right there and they didn't think anything of it. And after they left, I was like, Hey guys, like, what are you doing? Like, you should be stepping in here. Cause like, that's totally not cool. And they're drunk. And like, imagine if I don't say that, they probably want to pick a fight. And then what are you going to do then? So like, that's a situation where you need to rely on sort of the community component and the authority component too, to be able to say, Hey, listen, like you, just because you have a badge or just because you have some sort of authority doesn't mean you get just to hang out, right? Like you still have to play a key role there too, which is awkward. It was a really awkward conversation for me to tell, or tell these police officers, like it was super not cool. Like they need to be in my corner they shouldn't be a bystander either. Right. Like imagine how hard that is. Like, you know, you're my taxpayer is good to that. 
taxpayer yeah. money goes to that. And then you're just chilling. Like, no, 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 no. And again, imagine if I wasn't a dude, imagine if I was a woman, right? Like yeah. that situation is way worse, way, way, way worse. And I just, you know, again, it's just as a reminder, then we're having a conversation about weapons. Um, and that's not so good. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I see what you're saying there. I, again, I, I, I like the strategies that you uh, propose there. I think, again, a lot of people can use that, but we should try to avoid having those situations even to begin with. So I, I think you touched on that perfectly. And uh, I hate to wrap up that uh, this episode, I think we're looking at time here, but I, I like to end with the quote unquote intelligent question of the day. So sure. I want to, I want to hear what your answer is to this. And that is, how would you help build a community? So then we're not having those situations that we've been talking about today. What would be the best way we could do, build a community that way? Well, I think, I mean, minus all the things we just talked about, one thing that I tell all leaders particularly um, is better mentorship and sponsorship of young people. Um, that's probably the single most powerful thing you can do, especially to mentor or sponsor a young person who, you know, their first generation American, mm-hmm. they're the first in their family. They've probably had significant barriers to government service or access the opportunities that someone like can give advice to like just life experience to. I mean, that is, that's probably the single most important thing you can do in terms of developing leaders. Right. And what we need in, we need in our communities is we need leaders and we need people willing to do hard things. So that's probably the single most important thing I can think of. I mean, yes, the history, yes. Like sharing experiences. Yes. Training people. Yes. Um, you know, providing community money and support. Yes. All those things. But the mentorship part is everything. Yeah. I, I, I want to, that everyone that's listening right now, that is the intelligent answer of the day right there. But I, I would like to kind of end this with a quote and then we'll ask for like information. You can promote stuff, but I, a quote that's been stuck with me and uh, I, I own a, two small businesses and work in that field. And something that they tell us all the time is, for you know to be a good boss is leaders develop uh, leaders don't make workers leaders don't make good people leaders make more leaders and i think that touches right on with what you said there and i think that's that was a phenomenal answer so thank you thank you for sharing that but uh jeff i i've been really this was a great discussion like i said at the beginning and you said as well this is how you solve issues you know bring up problems and you know work through it but uh, I know that you said you were involved in multiple organizations. I don't know uh, if people want to try and do business with you or mentorship programs, whatever it might be. What would be the best way they can reach out to you if they want to get a hold of you or, you know, if you mm-hmm. have a business, anything like that? Yeah, I think the best way just on on Twitter at Jeffrey D. Lee, we can put it in the notes, but that's probably the best way to follow or find time to talk. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and, you know, chat with the audience today. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, sweet. So, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I, again, I, I loved what you had to share with us today. I think a lot of people can benefit from it, my audience included. And I think we all can learn something from it as well. So just Jeff, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) Thank you. So everybody, that is Jeff Lee. As you can tell, he's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. And I would take a lot of his things and, you know, make changes to your lives, you know, be that person that stands up. And Jeff has great things to say. And guys, I would challenge you guys to just, you know, listen to a couple of things you say and learn something from him.
But stay tuned until next week. We have a great guest lined up for that week as well. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.